0: Hey, good morning everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here. And this morning I have got Justin with me. Justin is uh, our vice
1: chair of the elders team here at Cedar Valley Church. And we're gonna get the service started off for you. Awesome, special welcome to you if it's your, one of your first times or maybe it's your first time joining us online. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you want to get us, get to know us better, you're, uh, you're welcome to just Shout out to us on an email, hello at cedarvalley.ca. And, uh, or you can just drop a comment below and uh, someone will connect with you there. Yeah. Um, one of the best ways to connect with us is actually uh, just by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or signing up for our weekly email.
0: Yeah, lots of good stuff on there and all on our website, lots of good interaction, like whatever you're doing, with this whole like video thing too, you kind of have to like, like let us know what's going on. Right. Cause like we're talking yeah. to a camera right now, but you know, we are so stoked to get involved in some relationship connections, make that stuff happen. But We just need to know that you want it. So, yeah,
1: something is just so hard to be intentional,
0: but it's yeah. a really good point. Absolutely. Well, you know what, there's a few things coming up. We want you to know about one of them is February 6th. That is two Saturdays from now. That's the right math. Yep, Mm -hmm. Uh, we are. Our church right now is just in a season of transition. Pastor Rob, who you've seen speak here a number of times where you can go back in our services past, uh, is a transitional pastor for our church, because last year we had our longtime lead pastor, Dan, step down. We wanted to refocus and revision and just discover what we want to do as a church. So we've been doing a lot of prayer and discernment. Mm -hmm. We're evaluating what we're about and we've been doing some workshops. So February 6th, that's on Saturday, we are doing a workshop on kind of organizational structure. And we want to invite you to that. There's going to be a link here down on the bottom of the screen, but it'll also be in our email, social media. So reason to follow that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're also really, uh, we're really going to be looking for nominations for the upcoming year. Um, If you have someone that is on your heart that you'd love to nominate or see in a leadership position on the elders or executive, Uh, over the next season of our church we'd love to hear from you um, and Mm -hmm. pray about it consider those names and uh, yeah we're just excited to be a part of the leadership team as elders i'm part of the elders and we also meet as executive too and uh it's just it's an exciting time it's um Mm. it's it's really exciting to see where god is going to take our congregation over the next season we want you to be a part of that absolutely yeah We, we
0: totally believe in the Kind of relational value of being a large congregation mm-hmm. with that kind of input so like prayerfully discerning somebody who god puts in your mind is like this would be a great person to be involved in leadership and there's some regular meetings there is email stuff like that but it's yeah. also a great way to just serve the church that so you can send those nominations to elders cedar valley.ca well, again we'll throw that up here so you can see it and we'll take that in to kind of discern and pray over and uh, that's going to actually lead us up to a annual general meeting we're doing as a church at the end of February. So there'll be more information coming about that later on.
1: Yeah, right on.
0: But especially with that, that's uh, because so we want to give a bit of a recognition and uh, just an announcement that Steve Unger, who was our congregational chair, our executive chair for the leadership team, uh, has stepped down and that's now a role that we need to fill. But we want to just especially thank you, Steve, if you're checking this out. But just for everyone here too, thank you for that work, that time, that investment that you poured into it and we wish you all the best in that transition. We uh, thank you too for your prayers that the next steps of Cedar Valley are gonna be blessed as well. And you know, with that too, we'll just start this service off with a time of prayer and uh, some prayer for Steve. Mm-hmm. So join me in that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God, we just pray that you are in everybody's homes and kitchens, living rooms, whatever it is, wherever Absolutely. they're watching on a phone or laptop or TV, but God, that you are just present. God, that you can bless the times of service, The worship the prayer that people are mm. engaging in this online. God, you're you're compatible through this internet technology era. Um, but yeah, so just please be with that. Uh, we also want to just lift up Steve and his heart of service and just the amount of sacrifice he's poured into the church here, Cedar Valley, the time, energy, effort. And, and God, this is a transitional season for Steve as well as us for a church that we just want to Thank him and pray the best for him, God, that you continue working in his life. God, that you bring uh, new opportunities for him to use his skills and passions for your work. And that that you also kind of fill that role that Steve has left behind in the best possible way for your church here. So, God, we pray all that in the name of your son, Jesus.
1: Amen. Amen. So yeah, we're gonna get the we're gonna get the rest of our service started shortly. Um, if you'd like to join, we're gonna be singing a few songs mm-hmm. as uh, part of our worship service. Yeah, you might the, even be uh, in that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I Justin. don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the lyrics will be on the bottom of the screen. Just join in however you feel comfortable. Maybe you like to dance. You're in your own ho- home. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's also going to be a kids' time just after the singing, and that's going to be with Jasmine. So get your kids ready. Um, that's this is the part my kids like the most. Yeah, fun
0: little service. <laughs> We're going through Gospel of John. I know she's bringing some stories about John chapter two, which has kind of it's. That's like, what would they call that when there's two movies back to back, like a dual feature? Sequel. Sequel, stuff like that, whatever, Jesus. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it'll be really good, so stick around for that. And after that, we have Pastor Doug bringing us the next message in our series. We're going through the Gospel of John right now, uh, one chapter a week. We're calling it The One and Only. And behind us, you've probably seen some of this artwork. We have this big canvas wall. You're only even seeing a small section of it. We're adding little pieces of artwork every single week to just give those of you who are creative a chance to kind of be part of what we're doing here as a church. Mm -hmm. And here's actually a little bit of an invitation for any of you who have that creative edge, who might want to just throw a little bit of graffiti down on something in the church here. Super fun. Uh, And work with us to just come up with a way to kind of represent and embody the message for that Sunday. Uh, Contact me. That's grant to cedarvalley.ca. Information will be down here, but we'd love to get you on that. Pastor Doug is bringing us a message this morning in John chapter two, and uh, it's going to be a great morning. But before Mm, we head into all that, If you are watching live on Facebook or YouTube, head over to the comment section. And I've got a question for you, Justin, because this week I have had a few rough mornings waking up on time, trying to have a discipline of uh, meeting with some friends, uh, getting to work early enough. Uh, So I've setting the alarm and I hit the snooze button a lot of times. So question for you is, do you hit the snooze button regularly or do you just hit it and
1: you're up? Do you have to have multiple alarms? What's your wake up style? I don't know, I, I think I'm in the same boat. I'm like, I'm like at least three or four times, like minimum. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I think I'm at least three or four times, okay. unfortunately. Yeah, Maybe I'm, I stay up too late.
0: That's probably <laughs> it. I know my wife has a style where she has to put the alarm clock like out of reach so she's already out of bed to turn the thing off. No way, I need, no, no, <laughs>
1: can't do that. That's crazy.
0: Oh, it's dedication. <laughs> but Cedar Valley, uh, head over to the comment section, let us know, uh, do you have to hit the snooze button? How many times do you do that? Do you wake up right away? Other than that, we're in for a great morning. Thanks for joining us and we will see you later. Thank you.
2: Cedar Valley Kids, it's Jocelyn here. And today we're going to talk about Jesus and some of the things he did at the beginning of his ministry. So our church is going through the book of John. And so I thought we'd talk about two stories that show up in John chapter two. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter two and you can follow along with me. So the first story is Jesus and his mother and his friends are attending a wedding. And we don't know much about weddings that happened um, in Jesus's time, but we do know that they lasted for several days. And there would be lots of food, there would be lots of wine to drink, and there would be lots of fun. And they would all hang out together in the bride's family's home and spend lots of time together. So Jesus, his mother and his friends are there. Partway through the wedding, the wine runs out. There's no more wine. And this isn't just a little problem. This is actually a big problem because the host's family, the bride's family, is expected to provide all the food and all the drink for everybody for the whole party. And they've run out halfway through. So this is really embarrassing for them and they don't know what to do. Mary, Jesus's mother, comes to him And it's interesting in the Bible, she doesn't even ask him to do anything. She just walks up to him and she said, they have no more wine. And Jesus responds to her and he says, dear woman, why do you involve me? And so Mary hasn't even asked him anything yet. She's just sort of just suggesting like, hey, they have no more wine. Maybe you want to do something about that. So she tells the servants. Come over to Jesus and do whatever he tells you to do. Mary knows that Jesus has the power to do anything, even if nobody else around him really understands what that means. So Jesus tells the servants, go get the jars, the big stone jars that are for hand washing. Now I don't have any stone jars, so I'm just using Tupperware today. So these big stone jars would usually hold water for people to wash their hands when, they're, when they need to clean themselves up. So he tells the servants, Get these six big stone jars and fill them up with water. Okay, so the servants go and they get some water and they start pouring them into these empty jars. And the water has now become wine. Ta da! <laughs> I wonder if jesus said that maybe quietly under his breath ta-da i made wine so now the servants have all these huge jars of wine full of wine so what they do is they pour out a cup and they bring it to the groom the groom didn't know that they had run out of wine at this point so the groom tastes the wine and he's so surprised and he says usually people bring out the best wine at the beginning and save the the not so good stuff for the end. And he says, you guys have saved the best wine for last. So Jesus not only made wine from water, he made really great wine from water. Okay, so that was the first story. All right, now we're onto the second story. So I'm going to read this part from the Bible. So if you have your Bible, John chapter two, I'm going to start in verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market. Okay, so very different story from the one that we just talked about. So to help us understand this a little bit better, we are going to pretend that this is your bedroom. Okay, so you've got a bed with a little blanket, you've got some clothes on the floor, maybe you've got some pictures on the wall, some cool posters. So I want you to imagine that this is your bedroom and then also think about your bedroom at home. So you might share with a brother or a sister, um, but it's your space. It's where you go to have some quiet time. It's where you sleep at night. You get to decorate it how you want. You get to keep the toys and the clothes that belong to you in your bedroom. So that's a pretty special space for you. So, how would you feel if one day you came home and you found that somebody had taken mud and they had smeared mud all over your art and your pictures? Okay, so there's mud all over the beautiful stuff on your wall. Okay, then maybe somebody had poured. Let's take our wine juice from the other story. They had poured wine or juice on your bed. Look at that. It's getting all in your covers. Ugh, soaking in. It's turning pink. Maybe they had also taken your clothes. Ooh, you wear polka dot pants. Cute. Taken your clothes. Pine needles. They put pine needles into your clothes and left them lying around oh look at that the dirt's also on your clothes too so let's say you came home and you walked into your bedroom and it's looking like that how would you feel probably really upset probably really angry that's how jesus felt when he walked in and he saw his father's house completely filled with mess. Now it's important to talk about that there was nothing specifically wrong with selling animals. People needed to buy animals to bring into the temple to sacrifice. That's what God had wanted them to do. There's nothing wrong with changing money. People were coming from all over the country, sometimes other countries, coming into Jerusalem, and they would have had different kinds of coins, different kinds of money. So they did need to exchange their coins, exchange their money for the stuff that would work in the temple. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's think about this too. Is there anything wrong with mud? There's not. Mud is good. Mud helps, you know, we put we water our gardens and get the and get the dirt wet so our plants can grow there's nothing wrong with mud is there anything wrong with wine or juice no but it certainly shouldn't be on my bed soaking into my covers is there anything wrong with pine needles no they're great pine needles smell amazing and you can use them for decoration they're important for the pine trees but not in my clothes so Jesus had walked into the temple and had seen all of these things happening that were not supposed to be there that's why he got so angry that's why he made a whip and drove those people out of the temple saying you're you're getting rich off of my father's house this is not supposed to be in here so you'll notice that in our church we don't have business transactions happening in our sanctuary in the foyer people don't buy and sell in our church because we keep this as a space where we come to worship God and we say that this is God's house where we meet him So that's one of the things that Jesus was talking about. So now that we've talked about the miracle of the water into wine and Jesus clearing the temple of the things that were happening, what do we learn about Jesus from these two stories? So I'm going to tell you two things that I've learned, and I'm sure there will be more. So first one, we've learned that Jesus is fully human. He is a man, but he also has the power of God which is very interesting. Nobody had ever been like that ever before. Fully human, but also the power of God. The second thing I think we learn in this story is that Jesus does not want people to get rich off of the church. The church should be a place where we come to worship God and then use the money that we have here to help other people. Nobody should be getting tons and tons of money from this area. So I think that's the second thing that we learn. There's lots of other things, I think, that we can learn from these stories. So if you can think of any other ones, I want you or your parents to write it in the comments of either the Facebook or the YouTube stream that we're watching, if you're watching live. If you're watching later in the week, you can email them to Pastor Doug if you can think of any other ones. But yeah, I want you guys to think about this. What do we learn from these two very different stories about Jesus? I hope you're thinking about that this week, and I hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again later. Bye.
3: Cedar Valley you know as we gather today there's just some things that we want to share with you about this past week we have families in our church that are grieving the loss of loved ones and we just wanted to let you know that Andy Drackel's brother passed away this past week um, Andy and Pam and so if we could remember their family in our prayers as they go through this very difficult time of, of unexpected uh, passing. And also, many of you may remember Hans and Liz Wetterings who attended here at Cedar Valley for many years. Um, they also both passed away within just a day or two of each other this past week. And so, with the Wetterings family and those closely connected to them, let's be mindful um, as they together also process this loss um, but hold tightly on uh, the love of God through Jesus Christ. Our God, we do thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you for your church and that we can gather even in this form together. We can lift up the needs and the cares of your people. God, we do pray for the Draco family as now they are faced with this sudden loss of a, of a brother and a husband, a son, an uncle. Uh, God be with them, give them peace as they move through this time together and and holding on to you uh, for comfort. God also for the Wettering's family, um, for the children and grandchildren and and so many others involved as well, Um, as now they are also without. this stability, the, the leaders of their, their home, of their family, in a sense. Uh, God be with them. And may we be able to reach out and encourage them and, and help them. God be of service to them um, as their family uh, through the church. So we thank you for your presence with us. And as we move forward into discovering even more of who Jesus is, um, may we do more than just learn about Him, may God. Allow His life to live within us, um, so that we may too live like Him. Each one of us, as You give us grace. Amen. Well, this morning we are in John chapter two, and the second chapter of John, it gives us two stories that really help us understand who Jesus is right at the very beginning of his ministry. Now, I generally like really short little titles, but I've called this one Water Into Wine and a Whip to Chase the Wicked Away from Those Who Want to Worship. Anyways, these two events, they seemingly have no connection whatsoever. The first takes place in Cana, the other down in Jerusalem, a full three-day walk apart. The first is a wedding party, a celebration. The second has to do with worship at the Passover, also a celebration. Both of these events are traditionally about a week long. That's right. They partied for about a week at weddings. It was a great celebration. A whole lot of food and drink and fun and dancing. And also the Passover was a great process of gathering and celebrating of food and of worship together, all centered around the temple in Jerusalem. And both of these stories have Jesus as a pivotal point in each one of them. The first is a miracle. The second is a moment of teaching of what is at the heart of Jesus. The connection between both of these stories is that we get to see two things that are of a concern to Jesus. The first one, our needs are important to Jesus. And the second, our hearts are important to Jesus. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up. Let's take a look at John chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. On the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me, Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water so that filled But you have saved the best till now. This is is a great story. And you know who I really love in this story? Well, apart from Jesus and and his first miracle, is his mom. I, I love Mary here. There's a problem with her friends at the wedding. And she goes to Jesus. And she says, Jesus, they're out of wine. What are you going to do? And Jesus kind of goes, Mom, I'm not doing a miracle today. And yet, undeterred, she says to the servants, to the servers there, just do whatever he tells you. Now, what did did Mary already know about Jesus that up until now, we don't know? Uh, And as I look at this, I think one of the morals of this story is Always listen to your mother. But for his first miracle, Jesus didn't stop a storm from swallowing fearful fishermen. He didn't heal a person who had been crippled for years and years. He didn't cure a a deadly disease, or save a child from death, or raise someone from the dead. He turned water into wine. That's it. Now, was Jesus just getting his miracle powers figured out? No. You know what was happening here? Jesus was simply showing that he cares about what we care about. Now, from this wedding in Cana, Jesus heads north a little bit to the town of Capernaum. And there, for the next three years, he calls this home. Although he's really traveling just as much as he's at home. And right now, we're told that he only stays for a few days. And then Jesus leaves for Jerusalem with his disciples. And it's at this point that he leaves his mother and his family behind. We really don't hear of them traveling with them. And in a sense, from here on, his disciples are now his family. And we discover that it's Passover. This major pilgrimage, this festival of ancient Israel that commemorates the Exodus from Egypt. The Hebrews, they had been enslaved to the Egyptians for years. And finally, through the hand of Moses and Aaron, God says, it's time to go. I'm gonna rescue you. And through a series of plagues, each one getting worse and worse and worse, until the final one where God spared, and he passed over the families who had committed themselves to him, and the angel of death struck those of the Egyptian families, not of the Israelite families, and they were freed. And every year since then, they gathered to celebrate the Passover. and the houses of Israel gathered together in this celebration. Now, in Jesus' day, Passover meant that Jerusalem was absolutely jammed. Jews from all over the country, and even the surrounding world, would travel to the city to celebrate, to remember, and to worship at the temple. So just to get this image in our mind just a little bit, um, this is what the temple looked like. It, it's a model of our understanding of what it was. And it, it was raised up on the top of a hill, just really high, with a huge, huge wall encircling it all the way around. And, and in, inside, just inside the wall, there were different areas that were called courts. And this area here was actually called the Court of the Gentiles. If you were not of Jewish descent, you weren't allowed past that area. And then it had different segments where different people could enter, and then the priest would meet you here, and they would take your sacrifice, which was part of your worship, into the center of the temple. And there was the place called the holy place and in right in the very center in the heart of the temple was the Holy of Holies now if we go to a little bit of a diagram of how it looked at, you can see here court of the Gentiles court of women and inside the court of Israel the men were allowed the priests could go in here and then the Holy of Holies and the holy place right within the center all of their worship was centered around the building, the place of the temple. And so let's pick up the story in John chapter 2 verses 13 and 14. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. See, the system of worship in the day of Jesus was based on sacrifice. It required giving an animal something as small as a dove to a sheep to a goat to cattle needed to be sacrificed. And as people traveled from all over the country and even the nearby world, they would leave their livestock at home or if they lived in the city and they had none, they knew that if they came to Jerusalem and outside the temple, they could purchase their animal sacrifice to be given at the temple. So thus they had booths and booths of people selling these animals. But it happened that these sellers were way overcharging. So much so that many of the poor people couldn't even afford the price of just a dove to be offered as a sacrifice. And if you add to that, there were tables of money changers that were required to pay the temple tax. Now, the temple tax was used for upkeep to the temple to support the work of the priests. And it was half a shekel, which is about two days' wages, to be paid annually, every year, once a year, by every male twenty and over. I remember that um, over the years as our kids were growing up, that every time they would at a birthday celebration or something like that, they'd get a little bit of money from their grandpa or grandma or uncle and aunt. That I was, always always grab it and I'd say, Well, I'm taking some for my dad tax. And of course, they would go crazy and they'd run out of the room with their money. But it's having to give up something right off the beginning. There was this temple tax. And the temple tax in Jerusalem had to be paid, it must be paid, with a Tyrian, a Tyranian shekel. This was money that originated in Tyre. And this, for some reason, it became the only currency that was accepted in the temple in Jesus' day. Now, the thing was that people who were coming to worship, they were getting ripped off as they were exchanging their money from their currency to what was accepted at the temple. Now, just imagine coming to church on Sunday morning. Actually, just imagine the day when we actually get to come to church on a Sunday morning. Hopefully, that's not going to be far away. But imagine coming to church on Sunday morning, and part of your worship is giving of your offering, and you brought along with you. But imagine that here at Cedar Valley, the only type of offering we, we would permit to go into the offering plate would be the Cedar Valley shekel. And in order to do that, we had money changers at tables in the foyer. And you'd come up, and you had to purchase these Cedar Valley shekels to go into the offering. Now, just imagine if you were being charged, or if you were only getting $0.70 on the dollar for your exchange. Well, that totally, totally destroyed any heart of worship that was happening. See, and in the day of Jesus at the temple, these profiteers, they turned the outer courts into a market, which effectively prevented worship of any non-Jewish people. You see in this court here, this was the area that was reserved for people who were Gentiles, anybody who wasn't of Jewish descent, and a whole lot of people came to Jerusalem to worship, many of them not Jewish themselves. And what happened, this entire courtyard was filled with money changers, people selling animals, it was chaotic, it was noisy, and every time somebody made a transaction a ton of money was being made. They were profiting hugely from people as they tried to worship. And those that wanted to worship here in their designated area, effectively, they couldn't because of what was happening in the court. And Jesus is angered by this. And in the other Gospels that record this event, he has said that my house, God's house, should be that of prayer for all people. And he is angered by the commercialization of temple worship. It created an obstacle to worship. And so we continue in John 2, 15. So he made a whip out of cords, and he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Jesus created quite a scene. And it's interesting to note that some of the Jewish leaders, they were outraged, well, not by the scam that was going on of all of the people coming to worship, but that Jesus would go in there and and break up this money-making scheme. And they say, how dare you? What gives you the right? You know, I thought of some words, a short phrase from Martin Luther King. And he says, it's always right. It's always the right time to do what is right. Think about that for a moment. It's always the right time to do what is right. You know, it's possible this past week and some, you saw a video either on social media or on the news even of a young girl in in one of our middle schools here in in Mission being beaten by a few other girls. And not only was this event being recorded by somebody's cell phone, but you can hear a voice off-screen encouraging these other girls on where to where to punch and where to kick this young girl. And I hope you were horrified by that. And I was thinking, was there not anyone in the crowd at that moment willing to do what was right? It's always the right time to do what is right. You know, a number of years ago, uh, Pastor Dan and I, we were having lunch in a restaurant in town here. And in the middle of our lunch, all of a sudden, there's a ruckus just outside the window in the parking lot. And this smaller man is getting beat up by this larger, bigger guy. And, and in an instant... Pastor Dan jumped up from the table, ran out of the restaurant, and inserted himself in between these two men, effectively breaking up the fight, the the beating that the smaller man was taking. And what did he receive for his willingness to do what was right? Angry threats of violence from the larger guy who was beating on the smaller guy. And yet, it's always the right time to do what is right, regardless of the potential consequences. See, this courtyard, where purchasing the sacrificial animals at greatly inflated prices took place, was designated as an area to worship, to pray. And this chaotic scene seriously inhibited all the Gentiles' ability to do that. They were there to give their sacrifice, but their worship was interrupted by those who sought to receive personal gain from the sacrifice that others wanted to give. See, worship, what is worship? Well, worship puts the worth of God on display. What was on display here in the courts of the temple was greed. And see, they they missed the whole point of worship. And their concern was, by what authority do you come in? What right do you have to break this up? Check out Jesus' response. In verse 18 of chapter 2 of the book of John. When the Jews responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove you have authority to do this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. See, their whole system of worship was about to be replaced. And this is a foreshadowing of what was to come. And yes, the temple itself was destroyed in about 70 A.D., but Jesus wasn't actually talking about that temple. He was referring to himself. Well, if we take a look at the temple and what it looks like today, it's vastly different than what you would have seen in Jesus' day. The temple that was there was above this wall and filled up this entire top of this piece of land here. Um, The Dome of the Rock is right about where the main part of the temple was. And where all those trees are, that was the courtyard and extending down this way. The only thing that was left when it was destroyed in 70 AD is this portion of wall, and it extends a little further on. That's that's the only thing that the Jewish people have to claim, to hold on to, from their beautiful temple that used to be. And see, since the destruction of the temple, Passover no longer happens at the temple, but is primarily centered on the family celebrations in the home. But this site, this wall, it is the most holy of Jewish sites. And there are times when it is crowded full with people coming to pray. That's the last part that's left of their temple. And one of their practices is to write their prayers on small pieces of paper, on notes. And you can see here how the cracks between the large stones are just jammed full of people's prayers. So that's what's left of the temple. But Jesus is not talking about that temple. He was talking about himself when they said, well, who gives you authority? He says, no worries if this temple is gone. My work on the cross will represent the focus of your worship. The sacrifice will no longer be animals presented on your behalf by the priests on the altar at the center of the temple. But the sacrifice will be Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 9, we read this. Listen to these words. The first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place to worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were the lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was the curtain. And behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves and the stone tablets of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Above the Ark were cherubim, of divine glory whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover the place of atonement. When these things were in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people they had committed in ignorance. The entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. The gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the conscience of the people who bring them, for that old system was in effect only until a better system could be established. So, so Christ has now become the high priest. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. So what does worship look like? Well, we seem to have made it, unfortunately, a lot about personal preference. One thing for sure, we know it looks a lot different than in the temple of Jesus' day. Then it was a noisy affair, not just because people sang loud, but because of all of the animals. But worship, the essence of worship is valuing or treasuring God. It's an attitude of the heart that overflows and finds its expression in simple acts of praise, which could be song, in prayer, in giving, in living for God. And this worship, it happens both within the building and outside of the building. Worship is delighting in, giving reverence to, being completely satisfied in God. And in the midst of that, we need to understand that going to church, you're not saved by going to church. You're saved by going to Jesus. See, we gather and celebrate, we worship together, but our focus is on Jesus, whether it's together or whether it's apart. And as we focus on Jesus, we discover in Ephesians 3.17, we're told, Christ will make his home in our hearts. He would dwell with us. We will dwell with him. And that, in turn, makes us A living sacrifice. Romans 12, verse 1, we read, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. (laughs) That is worship you and your creation as you live for God is worship. See, it's not so much how we worship, what we do, old songs, new songs, quietly, loudly. We worship with our bodies. This is our true and proper worship and we do that, we can do that because Jesus is the one and only. No one else is worthy of our praise and worship. No one else could have done what Jesus has done. He is the one and only. He is worthy of our worship. God has called us to him as we see the wonderful work of Jesus we have drawn to his side and allowed to live like Jesus as he lives in us. God we thank you for allowing us this insight into the life of Jesus and how dramatic it was and is then and now. The difference it made to them, God, the difference it makes to us as He dwells within, as we dwell with Him. God, accept our worship, whatever that form is, as we give ourselves to You. To Your name be the honor and glory and all praise. Amen. If you hang around just for a few moments we want to engage with you of some thinking a little bit deeper into these two stories of jesus and how he calls us to live
0: all right well thank you cedar valley it's been a great morning so far thank you pastor doug for the message and going through our one and only it it was one of those words when we were trying to like go through gospel of john and we're like yeah we don't even need a cool name or whatever but then there's a theme that just kept coming out and out. And even uh, last week in the kids' Message, you yeah. pointed out the fact that, like, it's literally in the text it's... over and over and over again that Jesus is the one and only. Yeah. So that's the, that's the meaning behind all this is why we're just seeing like, what the old Sunday school answer that Jesus is the answer literally is the foundational thing, right? Yeah. Like,
3: and it's amazing how it just keeps coming out of here naturally um, as we read through it. That, that concept, that theme just keeps rising to the surface.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. so it's, it's awesome, and
3: uh, what we just wanna do
0: is uh, go into a little bit of some discussion questions for you to just go on at home uh, with friends or family, you know, do it on texting or Messenger, or start up a Zoom call. We'd love to see small group stuff like that happening back before the added restrictions. We were meeting in some small groups and watch parties, but now we can do that through Skype, FaceTime, Zoom, whatever it is. Uh, But these kind of things are really good to Mm -hmm. just chew on and continue on beyond the service. So uh, let's dive into you've got a couple questions for us. Yeah,
3: for sure. Um, The first one, how can we demonstrate that another person's need is important to us? Mm. And uh, one of the things I think about that, at least when I think of that, is often we're good at looking like seeing the larger need. You know, oh definitely that person is in need of something but what really hits me is when i bring it home just a little bit Hmm. that i think of jenny's need to be heard and if she's telling me something i will often have an answer very quick (laughs) before she's expressed herself or a solution to her problem and for me it's just um, realizing that jenny has a need to be heard and so i can meet that need by Hmm. listening yeah, that's
0: a good one listening yeah. and uh, I not necessarily the opposite to that but a different uh, thing too. my thought was when you're because you're this would be relating to the uh, Jesus and the running out of wine yeah. story and then water yeah. into wine and yeah. Mary comes out and is like Jesus we need help the party's yeah. about to just fall flat. Yeah, and uh, Jesus has his own funny response or yeah. not. My thought actually on this I've experienced in my life yeah. is uh, being we could show people that their needs are important to us and not that we're just trying to like solve stuff and fix yeah. stuff But by actually asking like rather than waiting till people finally take the initiative mm. Like even in right. the story Mary yeah. came to Jesus or whatever yes. yeah. and uh, there's more to that whole interaction But for us to show that is to like actually make an effort to asking mm. people what's going on? What's important yeah. to you? What, yeah. what what do you need right and and take their need to be initiating off yes and because that shows that we are concerned and and i'm sure with your example with jenny too this stuff of like asking okay well tell me about that let me hear you out right yeah
3: yeah Yeah, for sure because some people may just not be prepared or too shy or are worried that it's not important or maybe it's too important that they can't even know how to verbalize that totally and if we step in and offer them that um that's really significant totally yeah Yeah. awesome and then we've got going on here Yeah. yeah what does worship mean to you that could be a lot of different things, but we would like to hear that from you, and you talk about that. And then the second part, and what is a meaningful way of expressing your mm-hmm. worship? So, so Grant, what, yeah. uh, what does worship mean to you?
0: Yeah, well, I, uh, I mean, I think you, you threw the best, real definition mm-hmm. is just is uh, reflecting, well, like giving God like celebrating who He is, like showing, and I think actually uh, you use it there loudly, yeah. like loudly right. saying how awesome God is. And uh, f- I mean, for me, yeah. it's a musical thing. I've always had yeah. a strong connection through music, yeah. um, but I know that that has just sometimes may- maybe been a modern churchy thing right. we've done where we've locked yeah. it into a genre right. too much. Right. Uh, right. But there's so many cool ways or I, I know, I mean, people have done it through poetry and rap yeah. or writing yeah. books, reading art, but like a way that is very externally uh, understandable. Um, I think it was in Second Kings or wherever where like literally the Israelites worshiping is what made other armies around them scared, right? Yeah, like it was just yeah. their singing <laughs> and worshiping. So like it's something that is visible and yeah. hearable. Ta- talk about
3: power and worship, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, in that sense and I, w- one of the aspects when I think of what does worship mean, hmm. I'm just struck by the fact that God would consider me worthy of giving him worship. You know, mm. sometimes I wonder what I have to offer, you hmm. know, really what I have to give, and that, but if I just give who I am, what's God created, God has created me to be, that's the beginning of my worship to Him. Mm. Wow. And uh, you know, yeah. which kind of changes the way I think a little bit. And ways of expressing worship, you know, I think there we have the standard ones, it's the, uh, you know, it's the praising together, the, the music. I'm, I'm very moved by music and one of the things that I do often when I create and write my message is I'll find a song that fits that theme and I will allow the worship of those artists to kind of carry that forward through me and, and I find myself mm. doing that, allowing myself to worship through others who have inspired me in their worship. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: Well, this is a great discussion. This isn't, we don't want it to just stop here. Continue this on, whether it's online, sharing your thoughts just on the comment feeds here uh, or in your homes or with friends. But uh, Cedar Valley, keep chewing on this throughout the week, Mm. and we'll see you next week. All right.
3: See you, Cedar Valley.